You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. I'm Amy Frost. My guest today is Rob Edwards. He's the owner of Spring Hall Equestrian Centre in Suffolk. And today we talk about choke, colic and coaching. It's really important that we inspire riders through experiences and Rob has over 15 years of owning a riding centre. So he shares some of his stories along with how he's keeping his students motivated. This is Horse Hour. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. My guest today is a lovely guy called Robbie Edwards and he's owner of Spring Hall Equestrian in Suffolk and uh, we're going to put the world to rights today. Rob, aren't we? How are you? I'm very well, Amy. Yeah, very well. How are you doing? I'm really good, thank you. Although um, in a bit of a state today because last night one of my horses had choke, which was very scary. Have you had horses of choke before? Yeah, we have. Yeah, unfortunately, it's something that from time to time you will obviously have to deal with. Um, is the problem sorted? Are you, are you okay? Um, how's, it how's is. The I went into, it was quite interesting, actually, because I'm, I'm in, well, in a, in, a, in a sadistic kind of way, I'm quite proud of myself that I managed to catch it because he's also got a breathing issue. Um, so I gave him his dinner and he started coughing, which is quite normal for him, really, because the coughing is part of his respiratory condition. So he's on supplements. Um, he's a 15 year old New Forest uh, type horse. So he's on the supplements that stop him coughing. But after his dinner, he had a little cough and he just didn't look right. He he normally is quite a bolshy horse that would go running into the herd, pushing them out of the way, and then he'd eat the grass. And he didn't. He looked quite sorry for himself. So I thought, well, I'll just stand and watch him for a bit. Then he coughed a bit more. Then he coughed a bit more. And I thought, that's not right. And then he looked like he was going to go down. Well, I went mm. into blind panic. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, tricky, isn't it? Um I think that's the key though, isn't it? It's, it's knowing your horse and, and knowing when something's not quite right and it's when it's something out of the ordinary. Um, and by the sounds of it, you were on it straight away. So well done. I was lucky actually. I thought, well, I'll phone the vet and um, just see what they have to say. And, and I've learned quite a lot actually. Choking, they can. I thought they couldn't breathe while they were choking, but it's not like human choking. So it's not the airway that's blocked. It's the esophagus, which is the tube that goes down to the stomach. Look at me sounding like a vet, even though I don't have a clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's the esophagus. Yeah, so yeah, they said it was the esophagus, and 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 he started sweating up, which is what really scared me because I couldn't understand why he was sweating. He looked like he just wanted to go to sleep. So I phoned the vet and said, "Look, straight away, I think I think he's choking." 
Um, I think he's got choke. Not sure, you know, why he's sweating up. And the vet said, I'm going to be there straight away. But the vet was stuck in traffic, which made it even worse. Because, uh. bless him, he got 45 minutes to get to me, which wasn't his fault at all. In the meantime, he told me to massage the horse's neck um, to try yeah. and get the lumps further down. A bit like, I don't know, if you're trying to, um, you're trying to work it down the neck uh, and to try and break away. In between that happening, the poor horse is coughing and it's all coming out of his nose. He's got, you know, green mucus coming out of his nose. And I heard, Rob, that horses can't regurgitate, not regurgitate, they, they, they don't have a reflex, which no. means they can't be sick. <laughs> no, that's so, right. Is that true? So it comes out their nose? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm not a vet by any uh, stretch of the imagination. But um, <laughs> yeah, horses not being able to be sick is is quite a fundamental problem really isn't it because obviously if we eat something or if we drink something or i don't know you go for a, a bit of a night out have a few many too many drinks um obviously if we feel sick we're just sick um and quite often that sorts the situation mm. horses can't do that um so i don't know what it's a bit of a design flaw really isn't yeah it? massive design back flaw. <laughs> yeah it's awful it's absolutely <laughs> terrible so i don't know what god was playing at when he made horses he obviously was having a bad day at the office because that was terrible um yeah. but Aww. it just means that we've got to be very vigilant and, and monitoring our horses you know we uh you know we're making welfare checks on our horses not just daily but not even just hourly but literally you know we spend all day every day on the yard you are constantly listening any noise uh, that's out of new ordinary you've got to go and assess right why has he made that noise you know because you mm-hmm. picked up on it very quick um not everyone does and obviously these things generally don't get better on their own. They do need uh, assistance from your vet. So obviously you did the right thing. They're getting your vet straight out. Uh, unfortunately, they were <laughs> held up in traffic. But that is always the way, isn't it? We, we had a colic case not too uh, long ago. And um, <laughs> colic never happens at a decent time of the day. It's never during the, the daylight hours. It's always like one, two in the morning. And, and luckily we live on site and, and I was able to hear... Um, like I was just saying, sounds out of the ordinary and was straight out there. Um, as soon as I suspected colic, I was straight out on the phone to the vet. Uh, and even at that time in the morning, um, they were they had to come from quite a distance. And you know, there's nothing more worse than waiting for a vet when you're dealing with the horse on your own. You're thinking, just get here. And you're thinking mm-hmm. at that point, mm-hmm. uh, you wish your vet had like a, a broomstick and Nimbus 2000 blue or something lights. from. Yeah, bl- yeah, blue lights. Yeah. Um, you just want them there. You want that assistance. But uh, being a horse owner, we, ideally, we need to be able to deal with these things uh, until backup arrives. Mm. So um, we were, I was quite lucky, actually. By the time the vet got there, he uh, he did need to put a tube down the poor horse's throat. What he was looking for was to see if it had been dislodged, to see if he could get the tube from, he had to put it up his nose, down his esophagus, into his stomach. Mm. And he said if the tube had, could go all the way to the stomach, then there was no blockage. And a tiny little bit came out. So I'm hoping that by I had to keep walking the horse around by walking him and massaging his throat. That's what dislodged it. So the vet did give him um, a, a sedative. Um, he sedated him just to calm him down and uh, give him a stop in panicking and gave him um, a painkiller as well. Because obviously it would, would, have been, would have been in a lot of pain. And that was it. So he, we had that, it was dislodged, he had a little snooze, um, or he was a bit sleepy for a bit, and then half an hour later he was absolutely fine and he was rolling. And and that was great, so I was thrilled that he was okay, but I felt for the poor vet, because the vet had had three calls, telephone calls, emergency calls, while he was dealing with us, Um 
And then he had to go to a breached foal straight after. So he was just Ugh. rushing around the place. I know. Um, so I'm, yeah. I'm waiting to find out how that was. I hope that they were okay. In terms of your colic issue then, um, what happened when the vet arrived? Was the horse okay? Yeah, so long long story short, the horse is absolutely fine. Um, I mean, the the reason I was out there in, in, and caught it so early was that this horse... Um, although he is a bit of a door banger, uh, so he'll bang his door when it's nearer dinner time, so he can make a bit of a noise in his stable. Um, this was, ooh, what time was this? Uh, it was. It must have been a uh, gone. It was gone twelve o'clock, um, and obviously at that time at night, it, it should be silent on the yard, apart from horses, you know, munching hay and, and snoozing away in their stables. There shouldn't be a lot of door banging. Um, I heard heard a bit of a, a bit of a bang on his door straight away. I knew which horse it was, and actually, my first thought was, "Do you know what? I think there might be someone on the yard because that's kind of what he'll mm-hmm. do if he sees someone on the yard and he's saying, "Oh, give me some haylage. I'm going to bang my door." Um, so actually, my first thought was not, "Oh God, I think a horse has got a colic." It was, "I think someone might actually be on the yard." So obviously, you're, you're forever security conscious. So I ran out there to see what was going on. Um, obviously, no one on the yard. I then went over to inspect the horse and um, and he had already started sweating up. So his temperature is already through the roof. So um, and he was he was so uh, uncomfortable. He was kicking his stomach with his hind legs straight away. You're thinking colic. So uh, straight on the phone to the vet. Um, yeah, they were happy to come over, obviously a bit of a drive. But um, until then, I just had to hand walk him and, and, and try and keep him from sort of getting down and, and rolling and things. Um, but it's not a nice situation at any time, is it? You know, um, he he was absolutely fine. Well, no, because your natural response is that you want to soothe them, so you want to cuddle them, um, you know, you want to you want to hold them and and tell them that it's going to be okay. But when they're thrashing around like that, I, you can't you can't grab hold of them. You know, the horse that that had no. choke at the time, I thought he couldn't breathe. I didn't realise that they could breathe whilst they were choking because he was gurgling, so it sounded like he couldn't breathe. And the times that I thought he was going to go down. I had to unclip the lead rope because I thought I'm never going to be able to hold you. But all I wanted to do was hold him, keep him still like a baby, really, and tell him that it's going to be okay. But it's dangerous for you in that scenario. So how can you protect him from hurting himself while he's rolling on the floor in pain and protect yourself? It's really hard. What did you do? Um, Yeah, it is difficult. Um, At that point, obviously, it's very very easy for you to slightly go into panic mode. and you don't think about your own safety. So number one, you're always thinking about yourself. So straight away, you're wanting to get, you know, a hat on your head, probably a pair of gloves. Um, and I would always suggest getting them onto a soft surface. So the first thing I did was we went out and we got a nice soft track that leads down to the arena. So even if, even the uh, sort of event that he did get down and away from me, because um, obviously they are desperate to get down and roll and try and kick their stomach, which quite often uh, does more harm than good um mm. if he does at least he's doing on a soft surface because they do thrash around and i mean I, i've known horses to roll so violently on if they have got down on concrete that they they hit their head you know they cut their legs they bang their knees and all sorts so we just got on a nice soft surface kept him walking obviously got ourselves kitted up so we were nice and safe in case something did happen and wait for the vet and the, you know there's not a lot you can do until then you know you're chatting to them you are trying to keep them sort of calm and relaxed but yeah it is difficult 
Well, we haven't. On another note altogether, Rob, we haven't even introduced you or said why you were on the podcast. Um, and it's because <laughs> you've <laughs> it's because you own a livery yard, and um, I really wanted to hear your stories because how long have you had Spring Hall Equestrian? Okay, so so Spring Hall uh, Equestrian Centre uh, we've been running for over fifteen years now, so it's about seventeen years, um, and we're actually not a livery yard. Um, we're a riding oh. centre, so we're a riding school, which obviously you know that, but. Um, in terms of livery, we we've always offered livery, but it's not something that we 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 generally do a lot of. Um, so actually, at the moment, we've only got one DIY livery, but um, she has been with us, believe it or not, for probably pretty much the whole time. So about fifteen years, she's she's kept horses with us, and it's a bit of a long-standing joke. She's less of a livery and more of a you know an old piece of furniture, really. Um, but I'm sure but you've been but that. you've been doing it a really long time, so you know you've probably seen through quite a few changes. Um, in the industry, including, uh, you know, changes in the British Horse Society, train changes at top level, changes of the way that we deal with horses, changes of the way that we learn how to deal with horses. I was reading, I don't know if you know, I'm going through my BHS stage one. So I'm still a bit of a baby. I do, I do. To... <laughs> no, no, I'm very impressed. Well done you. It's um, great. No, it's great. Thank you. Well, I'm doing it because I just want to learn. I, I, you know, I know how to look after horses. I've had them for six years, but um, I don't think I know how to look after them properly I think things are changing all the time and actually I've learned so much from running these podcasts I feel quite lucky but I wanted to do it properly so I thought right I'm going to go and do my stage one and it was my instructor yesterday she's amazing um she said the book the the, the BHS has come on so much they're, they're the advanced they've really advanced in how they're educating and one of the things that she'd noticed was from when she did her exams, I won't say how many years ago, is um, hmm. the changing of feed. We were doing the nine rules of feeding and it used to be that you, you weren't allowed to ride until an hour and a half after you fed. Um, and that's obviously yeah. changed now where you can give a little bit of feed. So what I'd like to get from you, I think, is now that you know you have a riding centre and you're going through all this education, it's just your experiences and your students' experiences, the fun that they have, the good times that they have, but also what they struggle with um, and, you know, how, how we can help, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think... <sighs> Any industry, you know, you look around, whether it's the sports industry, industry, the, the fitness, the business, uh, any, you know, the commercial world, we're constantly changing and evolving. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to drone on and sound very boring, but, you know, the equine world is no different. You know, luckily, there's, there's lots of studies constantly going on. So it's only natural. But, you know, the way we go about our training and the way we run uh, the show, you know, looking after horses, horse nutrition, um, horse welfare, horse uh, exercise, that is going to evolve as well. I'd say 90% of the time it's for the better. I think, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes, unfortunately, we can maybe move in a negative direction, but um, 90% of the time it's always in the horse's interest. So we're always talking horse welfare. So with all these studies that are going on, um, it, it does help the system, so to speak. So in terms of where we stand, training riders, you know, like growing up, obviously I've ridden uh, my entire life. So you know road as a as a toddler really um when you went for a lesson you were taught by an instructor and an instructor by nature is someone who stands in the middle and uh you know yells at you tells you what to do heels mm. down shoulders back that kind of thing um and so fast forward 20 almost 30 years you know myself as a coach now and that's that's one of the one of the changes with with the bhs is that we are no longer classes instructors, we are coaches. And I think that's a very positive step forward because if you look at 
other sports. Um, you know, you look at boxing, you look at rugby, you know, you look at football. You're not an instructor in those sports. You're a coach. And a coach is, is it, it, there's so many different, you've got a massive role as a coach. And I think, I'm not saying gone are the days that you're an instructor because you need to be able to adapt. So for example, you know, when I'm uh, coaching sort of um, fresh off the lead rein young riders, you know, I don't necessarily find that I, you know, you want their feedback, but actually at that age and at that ability, you need to be telling them what they need to do because they don't know. And their mm -hmm. communication isn't at a point where you can say, so yeah, tell me about that. I don't know, that 20 feet circle you rode or, or, or that round of show jumping, you know, how did it feel? What was good? What was bad? What needs improving? They're not really at that, that point where they maybe they have the ability to do that. Um, no, so it is but, a case but of Rob, right. I've got to be honest, you know, when I'm scared, I'm not at that ability where I can speak either. <laughs> if I'm nervous, right. I need to be told what to do. And I'm not six, I'm 34. Um, so no, guess... absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And, and that's, you know, that's one of the, the key things with being a coach is recognizing how you need to coach. So, um, you know, you can't be a one dimensional um, coach. You can't be a type of uh, coach that, you know, if someone needs telling, there's no point asking them for constant feedback because they're not going to give it to you. So in, if you, in your case, if we're, if we're very nervous, actually we're probably not going to do a very good job in analyzing our performance and, and feeding it back to the uh, coach. So it might be at that point that you, you turn slightly more into instructor and say, look, okay, that round of show jumping, we need to, you know, control the rhythm a little bit more. We need to ride for our corner a bit better, but equally you need to be able to switch and be a, a very uh, communicative coach and ask for that feedback. But I think that's that's sort of one of the things I pride myself on is that I, I, I like to think I know when when and, and how you need to operate as a coach. You know, sometimes uh, you need to ask direct, direct questions. Sometimes you need to just give them direct feedback. Um, and equally, it's, you know, when does it need to be fun and when does it need to start becoming more serious? Mm. And I think mm. that's also quite a key thing these days is that what I see is quite an extreme on both ends of the spectrum. So we see a lot of riders being coached and the emphasis is a hundred percent on we've got to have fun. It's just a jolly good day at the office. And isn't that, there's nothing massively wrong with that. It's just at what point actually do you start becoming a little bit more serious in your coaching um, and in your riding as well? Because let's not forget we're, we're riding quite often half ton animals. There's a massive risk involved in this game. Um, and if we're constantly focusing on the fun and the enjoyment factor, we might not be, uh, you know, focusing on, well, what if we, lo we lose our shoulders forward over a jump and, and when we land, the horse trips or stumbles, you know, are we protecting ourselves in a position? Are we finding ourselves in a point of balance? Or are we just concentrating on getting onto the other side of the fence and having a jolly good time? You know, do, mm. do you see what I'm saying? So I think being able to, to adjust your, your coaching style and yeah, it's got to be fun. It's got to be fun. And, and I think for the younger age groups and I'm, not just the younger age, but I generally find with your lead rein lessons, you know, that is more emphasis on let's keep it fun. Let's keep it enjoyable because at that point they're not doing, um, you know, complicated work. It is about keeping it fun. And, and equally you need to be able to coach the slightly older, more, more uh, advanced riders. And, and it does get a little bit more technical and serious at that point. Mm. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I think also with the youngsters, you're trying to build their confidence, which is when anyone's learning to ride, whether they're a youngster or, you know, trying to get back into it or start riding at 50. It doesn't matter. It's about building the confidence. That's where the the fun element comes in. I think um, when it's serious, serious, serious all the time, you're right, you can lose the fun element, but you do need to be sensible and realistic that, you know, it's a dangerous sport that we're doing. And um, and that's where I think the seriousness comes first, comes in, is that you've got to be safety conscious at the same time. However, it's supposed to be fun. That's the whole point. And I think it's more, you sound like a really positive person, Rob, but you sound like you've got a, a positive style to your coaching. And I feel that we need to pump that back in a little bit more because, you know, so many riding schools I go to and, you know, there's women that have been in it for ages, for years, and they're fed up. And I think, why are you a coach? Why are you an instructor? Because you're not clearly not enjoying it. And you're not pumping fun and energy and enthusiasm into this kid. You're just, you know, you're, you're stripping them of any confidence whatsoever or any enjoyment, which means that they're not they're not going to go back. So at that point, I, yeah. I just want to tell them to give up. <laughs> you know, if you don't like what you're doing, it's too hard, surely. Yeah, yeah, 100% agree. Um... It, it, yeah as a coach i mean our, our, our kind of the, the three key areas you know we we look to sort of in part is you know we look to educate we look to inspire and we look to motivate um and that comes from so many different sort of directions you're right you've got to keep it fun you've got to keep it um sort of forward thinking they've got to enjoy it and i think that starts with you as a coach because i mean I have gone to riding centers in the past and I have seen riding coaches instruct and oh, yeah, it's not motivating. It's not inspiring. And, mm. you know, you can almost see the instructor looking at the, the clock thinking, when's the lesson going to end? And you're thinking, God, if that's what the coach is thinking, mm. God knows what the, uh, you know, the pupil's thinking. So yeah, we, I really, you know, this is a passion for me. I love this. This is something I've done my entire life and I do not get bored of it. And I think, um, you know, if you if you grab any of your any of any of our students and ask them, you know, what do you enjoy most about it? I'm sure they'd say, you know, we keep it varied. It's fun. 
obviously sometimes we we do have a little bit more seriousness in the sessions but yeah we we keep it enjoyable because otherwise like you said that they lose that if you're just serious 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 it does lose its little bit of fun and uh you've got to keep people wanting to come back because this is a great sport you know whether it's dressage show jumping eventing hacking out you know jim jim carner queens or kings you know they've they've got to want to come back and do that I love that. Do you still do that? Because I heard that you can't do gym carners anymore because of health and safety. But do you still do them? Oh, of course we do. We, we, <laughs> we, we, no, we do it all the time. We do gym carner all the time. Do you take the saddles off yeah. and go bareback? Really? Absolutely. Bareback riding is one of the, the... If you don't do bareback, you will not find your balance and your security on a horse. You know, I, I can't remember who, who I heard this from, but they were saying that the southern hemisphere riders you know the kiwis and the aussies the reason they're so uh dominant in eventing is that is purely down to the fact that when they grow up they're given a pony but they're not given a saddle and so they have to learn to ride that horse and jump that horse without a saddle and then when they show okay they're an able horseman without a saddle then they might get a saddle and then you imagine how good they are once they've spent years riding without one and they get mm-hmm. suddenly given one suddenly they are so balanced so secure and they come across here and thrash us at everything. So, yeah, no, we, we do as much bareback riding as possible. Um, it, it's fantastic because I love doing bareback riding with, with riders for the first time because the parents, I mean, it's just amazing to watch because the parents think at that point, oh, my God, you know, this is where my kid's going to fall off. And actually, do you know what the best <laughs> thing about when you take someone's saddle away for the first time and you can see a little bit of panic in their eyes going, oh, I can't do this. You go, you will. You'll be absolutely fine. And once you get them on board, and they realise actually they have got an immense sense of balance. Oh my mm. god, I get more enjoyment out of watching kids ride bareback for the first time. And this might just be walking. Yeah, this might just be going for a walk. This might be going for very short trots, just bobbing mm. around the arena. You know, you don't need to go and go and canter bareback. You don't need to go and jump bareback. Um, but for the first few times, just for the rider to actually appreciate, oh, I have actually got a really good sense of balance. I haven't slid off the side of my horse the moment he picked up walk. That gives them uh, confidence and confidence for any rider is key. So beyond ability, you need confidence. Um, wow. So, yeah, we, absolutely. We did Jim Carner. Oh, my God. No, we, we, do, it all, <laughs> we, do, it mo- we do it most weeks and, and we do all the different types of races. And this isn't just kids. Do you know what I love more than anything is, uh, aside from getting people riding bareback for the first time, is we have a lot of adults uh, come to us and they might have ridden as kids or they might have always wanted to ride, but maybe couldn't afford it or, or whatever the reason, you know, we have riders start with us quite late and we get them, you know, running through the basics, walk, trot, cantering, work on their balance, do bits and pieces. And then I say, have you ever done Gymkhana? And nine times out of 10, they'll say, oh, I did it as a kid, but I haven't done it since. Or they'll say, you know, well, I've always wanted to have a go, but, you know, we've never had the chance. But that's just for kids, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I love it because I no, no, it's absolutely not. We're <laughs> going to get you going to Gymkhana today. And mm-hmm. hands down, without a shadow of a doubt, that's the most enjoyable lesson I ever give is, is going Gymkhana. Um, oh. And do you know what's interesting is that we, we always think Gymkhana is kind of, um, you know, not simple, but it's not like you're working on your position. You're not working on your mm. transitions. You're not working on your, you know, your perfect 20 meter circles or anything like that. But if you actually think about Jim Carner, and for those of you that aren't familiar with what Jim Carner is, it's, it's racing. It's racing on horseback. Um, and it's kind of what you do when you grow up riding on ponies. You go off to the local show and, and God, there might be like 10 of you in a race. And that is when it's absolutely frantic and chaotic. 
Um, it reminds me of do... barrel racing because you go yeah. up, don't you? You gallop, yeah, you, yeah. Well, you kind of canter quickly uh, from one end of the arena to the other, and then you go round some poles. So you go in and out like slalom, and you have to jump off your yeah, horse, yeah. pick up an egg or something, pick up a spoon and and a tennis ball, and then try and hold that balance and and run to the other side of the arena. It's, it's brilliant fun. But I think as an adult now, we've got other things to worry about. I think I'd be so excited, I might wet myself a little bit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's other there's other issues going on as an as an older woman, um. But it, it's brilliant that you do that, Rob. I think it's so great. And I remember it was only last well, only last year. Um, I, one of the big things that I feel that I've missed out on as an adult is um, when I was younger, I didn't go to Pony Club. I didn't have my own horse. I, I managed to go to the riding centre once a week. I was really lucky uh, until I was 13, broke my arm, fell off and never rode again until I was 27. Mm. And I decided that I wanted to take myself, I missed it, and uh, and I wanted to take myself and have lessons. So I feel like I miss, well, I did miss out on, on so much of a, of a child, you know, pony camp and own a pony week. And as an adult, I really want to do those things. So, you know, I took my horse out last year and I made my friend, this is going to sound bonkers, but I made my friend jump on the back of him with me. Uh, right. You know, for the first time ever, that's the first time in my life I have but you know, two of us have ridden a horse. And for me, that was a okay. childhood childhood dream. And we didn't move. We didn't walk. We just sat, sat there, had my photo taken. I went, oh, childhood dream. <laughs> you know, yeah, my yeah, friend yeah. on the yeah. back of a horse. But it's great that you do these gym gymkhanas for adults. And now you do, you know, there's camps for adults. There's holiday camp. But as adults, it's harder to get away. We've got children and families and and responsibilities but having those moments even if it is just sitting on your horse with your friend (laughs) with your friend looking awful it's ridiculous um you know but it does trans it does uh transfer you back to that well it transferred me back to that 30 13 year old girl you know that had no care in the world and just had a a fun to look forward to it was amazing experience yeah it is um and one of the the most enjoyable events we ran last summer it was specifically for adults uh we had a prosecco sunset hack mm. uh yeah i mean it sounds awesome and honestly it was awesome we we rode the horses like we're very lucky we have a lot of farmland and we've got some amazing views and so basically what we did was we had a handful of riders um and we we rode out uh to this nice really nice high point on the farm so we had a lovely stunning view and it was as the sun was starting to go down and we were met by my wife and my mother who had gone ahead um, in a car and they'd set up a, a like a little, basically it was like a drinks party. They'd set up a table. Mm-hmm. Um, we had six bottles of Prosecco ready, chilled. Uh, we had cheese straws, you know, uh, bowls of crisps and stuff. And we got there and we, we dismounted. We loosened the girths. We let the horses graze on the grass. And we just had a nice drink and we had a chat. Mm-hmm. And it was really nice because that was obviously aimed for adults, funnily enough. Um <laughs> And it was really nice because, you know, a lot of those guys that came, they, they work, you know, obviously they work really hard during the week, most of them nine to five sort of an office job. And this just offered that opportunity to come out and do something that they've never done and probably never will do. I mean, I, I, as far as I'm aware, I've not known any other riding schools do that kind of thing. But mm. do you know what? We'll be doing it, doing it again and we'll be doing it again and again. And that's not just because, you know, we like to have a drink. It's It was amazing. <laughs> and it was nice to... Um, <laughs> I mean, it's it, obviously it's an added bonus, isn't it, to have a bottle of prosecco as well? But well, um, there's a few good cancers on the way back. I should imagine, you know, <laughs> suddenly everyone's you know got their we, brave pants on again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and, and no one rode back in a straight line either. That was bizarre, <laughs> that, isn't it? <laughs> um, but no, it was great. And, and that's what just got me thinking of it, is, is that just because we're adults, we don't take the fun factor out. Um, you've got to still have that enjoyment. And confidence is key. And if you are constantly focusing on some fairly sort of um, heavy, stuffy work, the fun kind of goes and quite quickly the confidence starts going and it's a bit of a vicious circle, you know, and quite quickly you find a good reason not to come for your lesson. So it's trying to keep people interested, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. I think that's a lovely idea. When you, when you, uh, when you had after the sunset and you headed back to the yard, did you ride in the dark? It, we, we, we set off as the sun was going down. Um, oh. So you've obviously got a nice period of time as the sun's kind of going down and, and being up in Suffolk, it's so flat um, that you could see the, Oh, there's so, yeah. I mean, we have some amazing sunsets around here. Um, I, I'm sure I bore all my students because they come after school and I'm like, "Oh, look at that sunset! Isn't it nice?" <laughs> and they're thinking, "God, uh, you know, sound more like an old person, Rob." Um, so, <laughs> so, so I'm sure I bore a lot of the people. But no, we have lovely sunsets, and I, we we just sort of thought of that as an idea. I think my well, my wife came up with the idea, and um, mm. yeah, it was great. So we rode back just as the sun was going down, and by the time we got back, it, yeah, it was pretty much pretty much dark. So it was great. Oh, perfect. So you weren't driving in the dark because I think that's a, a big issue that a lot of us have is is the time frame that we have to be able to go out riding and, you know, before it gets dark and where can we go? We've got to go on the road. So to be able to experience something like that is amazing. I've always wanted to go camping with my horse as well because I live by the New Forest, but you're not allowed to camp on there. Um, but you know, ah, having, right. yeah. having lots of land, you know, they, I remember speaking to some Australian riders and um, they were just growing up, take, I think it might have been Jason Webb actually, you know, from Your Horsemanship. I think he used to just take his horse and go out for the weekend and just, you know, pack a bag and a tent and um, and he'd go and camp out in the Western Outback just to have that freedom to be able to do things like that. And, and going on a sunset hack with you and, um, uh, you know, enjoying that experience, it, I think it's about having the partnership, building that bond and trust and partnership with your horse. Because when you have experiences like that, my fear used to be getting off the horse in a hack. I was so afraid of getting off the horse. I thought, well, my horse is quite big. Um, he's 16-1 and I stopped measuring him because I was too afraid of how big he was getting. Um, so my fear is always <laughs> if, if, I, if I get off my horse, I'm not going to be able to get back on. Um, so I ended up having, I ended up walking him on a hack in hand and actually no longer am I afraid of getting off him now. Um, I just know that I can find a fence and get back on. So going on a sunset hack, getting off, letting them rest, knowing they're not going to gallop off anywhere, letting them just chill and eat the grass and spend time with you, I think is a, is probably Mm. helps the bond and relationship and the trust that we then have in our partners. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so often, you know, you come to a a riding centre and the horse is, you know, you turn up for your lesson and the horse is already tacked up. You then jump on the horse, you go for your lesson, you come back. And more often than not, you might give the horse to the groom and the groom will go and untack the horse. And that's the end of your interaction with the horse. Um, so what, one of the things we do quite a lot of is, that, you know, we allow people to, if they, if they know what they're doing and they've maybe done some of our training, they can turn up a little bit early and get the horse out of the stable and they can come and tack it up and do a bit of the grooming because you just spend a little bit longer with the horse and have that interaction. And one of the things that amazed me last summer was we ran um, a non-residential two-day uh, was it three-day pony camp and it was it you know a lot of these guys that came had that experience of turning up for a lesson and having limited kind of handling 
with the horse and spending time with the horse. But what I loved about our three days is that we had the time to, you know, we would ride them, ride different horses throughout the day. We were doing um, Gymkhana. We did sort of uh, a bit of Latrex. So sort of, um, mm. uh, I can't think what, you know, when you go under a low, a little, like a little bit like a limbo on a horse, uh, which they absolutely loved, you know, a bit of show jumping, a bit of sort of cross country riding. And then we would turn the horses out for the afternoon and we would let them ride out bareback in just a head collar. And that kind of thing just blew their mind because never in a month on Sunday when they started turning up for lessons, you know, once a week and the horse was tacked up and they'd get on, go for the lesson. Never did they think they, they might jump on bareback and ride a horse out to the field just in a head collar. But, you know, these are the things that as kids growing up with horses, that's what you do. You know, that's mm-hmm. where that bond comes from because you spend hours kind of just larking around, you know, with your pony, mm-hmm. just getting to know him while he grazed quietly. So we tr- we try and give that opportunity to, to riders so that they do get to experience what horses are like, you know, in their natural uh, herd habitat, you know, out in a field, you know, watching for body language. And, and it's easy to skim over that sometimes. So we try and include that as well. Totally agree. How do you get over the health and safety issue then? Um, well, we're just, we're just professional in the way we run it. So, you know, we know that riding bareback obviously is not without its risks. Um, they've or- they would have already ridden bareback in the arena. That would be over bridle. You know, we, we, you can demonstrate how you can try and uh, turn a horse with just a rope and a head collar. Obviously, they're still kitted up, so they've still got a hat, gloves, boots on. Um, nine times out of ten these days, you've got students with body protectors already on. But, yeah, it's absolutely fine. Other than that, you've just got to be very careful and obviously make sure that there are uh, sort of instructors on hand. So normally there'll be, there'll be three of us uh, sort of assisting them. So if anything you know, does happen if a horse does spook and a rider does topple off, we're, we're there to help. But, you know, there are risks with horses everywhere. Um, and I just don't believe in um, shying away from that. You know, the, you know, going back to one of our earlier points of how's everything evolved, health and safety has evolved. And in terms of it, slightly people are worried about doing anything because there's a risk. Well, that's just not horses, I'm afraid. You know, the moment you decide to go for a riding lesson is the day that you decide to to get on a half ton animal that can move in any direction at any speed you know there's a very mm. good reason when you when you come to a riding center and fill in your registration form you, the last thing you sign is a declaration saying i accept it's a risk sport um so as long as you do these sort of activities like bareback riding having assess the rider and assess the horse and assess, assess the dangers and you do it in a professional way you're absolutely fine you know some of the things we got up to as kids I mean, God, I remember, I remember, I mean, I was fortunate enough, I grew up and I did attend Pony Club and some of the things we were doing, you know, and this was a young, young age, we were doing like backwards roly polies off the side of our horse. Um, and this was not in an arena. This was just in the middle of a field with like one, one instructor kind of keeping half an eye on you. It's like, you know, we, we don't need to go crazy just because it's, you know, we've evolved a little bit. We've still got to have fun and we've still got to have these experiences. So that, you know, that's how we get around these things. Well, it's not getting around it. It's just going straight through it. Mm. Oh, Rob, I have enjoyed talking to you so much. Will you please come back onto the podcast and talk to us again in a few weeks' time? Because I'd love to hear some more stories of your riding centre and uh, some other experiences that you had. <laughs> yeah, no, we've got tons of stories. And uh, it's, it's, it's a constant, you know, I, I, this job is, is fascinating and it's very entertaining. It's very fulfilling. But um, it does leave you with some uh, very, very entertaining stories that I'm sure listeners would probably love to hear. Um, so no, more than that'd be great. I'd love to come back. It'd be a pleasure. Great. Thank you. Secrets unveiled. Okay. So I only want honesty. I don't want all the, you know, the nice rubbish. I want the true life behind the scenes of being a real life coach. How does that sound? 
Yeah, it sounds perfect. I think, you know, we're, we're so we're so keen these days to keep everything rosy and positive. And of course, it's lovely to be positive, but we can all learn from when things slightly go wrong. Um, mm. and, I, and I'm yeah very happy to share these experiences. with I just be careful not to name and shame the riders. So uh, they'll probably never <laughs> speak to me again. So I'll change their names and uh, change the horses names and that'll be fine. <laughs> Well, on that note, um, if you would like to follow Rob, you can head to his equestrian Facebook page, which is Spring Hall Equestrian uh, up in Suffolk. Uh, Rob, are you on Twitter and Instagram? Not on Twitter. I am on Instagram. Uh, not as a business, however. I am as a, okay. in a private capacity. But face- Facebook is probably our, our main one. Um, so, yeah, Spring Hall Equestrian Centre. And, we, you know, we try and upload as much content and keep everyone up to date. And, um, yeah, you know, it's always, Facebook is great. You know, it can keep everyone in the loop and uh, keep an eye on what we're up to. So it's great. Amazing. Because we're all, for those that live miles away like me, I really want I want to be really nosy and see what you guys get up to. So I will definitely be following your page and um and we'll hear you again on the podcast in a few weeks' time. Thanks so much. Oh Rob, actually before you go, um good luck today. You're off to a dressage competition, aren't you? Where are you going? <laughs> I am. I'm going to uh, Topthorn Equestrian Centre in Stowmarket. So it's about an hour, hour, hour's drive, depending on how much of a rush I'm going. Um, yeah, thanks very much. Yep, taking my uh, taking my horse, Remus Junior. Going to go do a novice class. So hopefully oh, one of the last shows. Well, I'm, I'm hoping to make the step up to elementary. So I've just got to learn how to do dressage. So we're getting there. <laughs> one step at a time, we're getting there. <laughs> oh, well, best of luck. Let us know how you get on. I certainly shall. All right, have a great day. See you. Thank you very much. Yeah, we'll do Emmy. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. As always, you can catch all previous episodes of the Horse Hour podcast on our website. Just head to horsehour.co.uk or you can hit subscribe on iTunes and Acast. And if you're a subscriber, then every downloadable episode goes through to your mobile phone without you even having to do anything. So you never have to miss an episode again. Thank you for writing reviews. I really appreciate your feedback and love knowing how much you like listening to the episodes. And of course, I want your subjects. What is it that you'd like me to talk about? Or is there a particular guest that you'd like to hear on the podcast? Just drop me a message on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. Search for at Horse Hour. And if you're posting and you want to tag us, then tag at Horse Hour or hashtag Horse Hour. The hashtag is still going strong. It's the number one equestrian hashtag used globally. So don't forget to keep that hashtag in there on all your posts. I hope you really enjoy spending time with your horse this week and I'll speak to you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns.